Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Rushan Myers. Rushan holds an MFA from Towson University and a BFA from MICA with concentrations in graphic design. Rushan has worked for a number of Baltimore area interactive agencies, including No Inc., Planet, and currently he is a senior UI, UX UI designer at CenterTrek uh, Solutions. While Rushan's client experience spans an array of industries, he has a particular expertise within the interactive healthcare space, uh, recently leading the redesign of the websites such as Rush University Medical Center, Doctors Community Hospital, and the Fetal Care Center. In addition to working in the industry, Rushan is an adjunct professor within Towson University's Department of Art and Design. Welcome, Rushan. Hello. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. Um, so the first question I wanted to ask you comes from a statement you made in our email conversation. Could you explain what you meant by, I strongly believe that we're currently witnessing an organic merger between traditional design philosophies and the interactive space we fondly regard as web design? Well, what a wonderful time this is to... Uh, participate within this industry. I found that um, where we are right now with web design is a, a merger where these traditional mediums, um, such as what we would regard as the print space, um, can be applied within an inter- interactive space. We see the, the advancement of browsers such as Firefox and um, Chrome and, and Safari. Uh, allow interactive designers uh, a full range of opportunities to uh, employ, um, you know, a very robust uh, creative experience um, that is also applicable to the web, uh, excuse me, the viewing experience on the web. You know, in the past, we would see uh, websites that might be image heavy. We would have to slice websites um, or slice images, which didn't necessarily... uh, apply very well for towards performance. Um, today, uh, we can have uh, very robust approaches to typography um, in addition to CSS animations. There's just a, a brand new uh, world um, available to, to interactive designers. So to, to expand on that a little bit further, so when you, were men- when you mentioned the, um, uh, the, the more robust typography or you know, specifically like the performance and you just can't just throw images up on a website and expect it to be like completely functional. Uh, To me, those are new design fundamentals. Uh, I don't think they existed. Some of them that you just mentioned didn't exist before. So what do you think are the new design new? What are some new design fundamentals that we need to add to our um, tool belt? Um, Well, certainly we have to begin to think perhaps on a different plane um, because of responsive design, for example, uh, the concept of a grid has evolved. Um, a grid on the web today um, is transformational from one media device to the next. 
um, that's something that particularly for a, a young designer or a student, they're going to have to think beyond uh, the static grid and begin to, to work towards um, a grid that is flexible and fluid um, depending on you know, your device width or your device type. Okay, so up until this semester, I've been teaching a very HTML, CSS heavy web design course because I wanted students to be able to test their responsive designs and interactions on real devices and browsers. This was problematic because we didn't have enough time to focus on the visual design because of the learning curve involved to understanding and being able to use HTML and CSS. This semester, I've backed off the HTML and CSS thanks to new tools like Adobe Experience Design uh, and Sketch and InVision. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on this, on this balance between code and design? Um, I think you, the, the approach that you're, you're beginning to take I think is excellent. Um, there's a happy medium there. Um, I will say I'm a very strong advocate that all designers, regardless of your um, particular uh, area of expertise, need to learn how to code. I think it just makes designers um, a little bit more broad in that, in that range or that space, rather. Um, but I would say that there is a happy medium where students can then learn to prototype. Um, it allows those concepts to then come to life without them being perhaps uh, overwhelmed by uh, limitations with learning some of your web languages such as HTML or CSS. Um, for example, InVision is such an excellent tool where you know designers can show uh, their comps or show their prototypes. Um, but also presented in a way that, for example, a client can see in real time how um, how this concept would work or function on a mobile device uh, or on a tablet um, or a, a desktop presentation. So um, do you use Envision where you work or for prototyping? I mean, what's... Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Um, can you want to talk us a little bit about your process Yeah. Well, what you've experienced? Envision changed my life. Before we were uh, taking a lot of time to... Uh, simulate uh, what a website, what a, a, a static image would look like within a browser. Um, Envision allows um, just a very quick and uh, rapid response just in terms of being able to get your um, your work to clients and allowing clients the opportunity to provide feedback. Um, and it's a very seamless opportunity. Uh, in terms of process, what I would say is that, you know, regardless if you're, if you're wireframing or actually... Uh, actually building out a high fidelity comp um, you know certainly that moment when we can um, you know put that concept before the client and, and to be able to speak to uh, the vision and how you, you know this this site is ultimately going to perform um, I think that provides that makes a designer's life a lot easier um, there's one th okay so like I said, previous semesters, I would teach HTML and CSS because I, I wanted them to be able to put something in the browser because I don't think they could truly like critique the typography until it was in, in, a, in a device that it was going to be viewed upon. Um, same way with, you know, columns, you know, you had to be able to, to see them in the browser. Uh, and so that's the one, and so that's the one problem I I see right now with experience design, with Envision, or Envision's making a um, a plugin 
which is they bought silver flows, which is craft, so they'll be able to do this right inside of Sketch. Is okay. You in responsive design, you you kind of you don't have a tablet view, you don't have a desktop view, you don't have a mobile view. You have views that it looks good at this size, but then once it shrinks, it starts to break down and it's no longer appropriate. So that's how you determine your breakpoints when the typography gets too scrunched and the optimal reading lines is gone, or um, columns become too skinny and content flows in a very awkward way. So then you have to go from four columns to three to, or to two to then down to one. How do you go about determining that with, because um, that's not built into InDesign, I mean, not InDesign, InVision, or that's not built into Adobe CC. I mean, you have, you're just stuck at predetermined sizes, which really isn't responsive. Uh, I think that there's some trial and error with experience. Um, and certainly after you uh, experiment and, and certainly make some mistakes along the way, you, you have a tendency of resolving um, some of the limitations of presenting um, static comps at various different uh, screen sizes. Um, one thing I would say, for example, is I, I would know that in some instances, if I go down to a mobile view, I might have to increase the size of my typography a bit. Um, this isn't a exact one-to-one -one translation perhaps if you're designing in Photoshop if you're designing in uh, sketch um, but with experience I find that we we learn from some of the mistakes that we've made and, and really work towards optimizing uh, performance and optimizing uh, the viewing experience for the user okay and and this is the process that I've tried to work around this semester uh, since this is the first time that I'm doing this, and what I'm doing is, I've I've had them do their, I'm having them do their static mockups in either Sketch, Experience Design. Uh, basically, I'm doing having them do it in any program they want that they can either prototype in or export to Envision, and I'm having them do a desk a large format, and then a small format. And then I'm going to have them kind of take that and dump it into a CSS grid, a framework. So I, I, I'm figuring that, you know, they at least if they put it in there, they can start, if they then just start expanding and contracting, they can see where this, oh, in this grid, where this thing starts to break down. And, you know, they're not cumbered with, you know, encumbered with learning so much HTML and CSS, it's, it's, they just have to kind of learn to plug it into the grid. So they just have to have like, you know, base knowledge of HTML and base knowledge of CSS. Um, what do you think about that as a, as a process? Um, certainly, I think, it's, I think it's experimental. And I, I, let me just firstly say, let me thank you for, uh, you know, really being on the forefront of teaching responsive design. I mean, it just shows you how the industry has evolved where we're now uh, thinking of ways of, of teaching uh, up-and-coming designers um, more, uh, you know, better processes towards achieving these goals. Um, I think that that, that plan actually, you know, it, it seems experimental, but I think that it could, it could work. You know, the ultimate challenge is how do we take uh, a visual concept that might be uh, you know, flat, two-dimensional, and it, it doesn't interact, and, and 
allow students to really see um, the the light at the end of the tunnel, how it works. Um, and, and there's that period where you're you're trying, maybe where your uh, ability to code might be lacking, and you might not always be able to see or understand a polished finished product. Um, so I think that I'm really encouraged to see that you're you're you know pushing that type of a uh, strategy forward. Well, well, thank you. And it and it comes back from. So I've been doing this podcast for for almost a year now, and that's everybody's process seems like there's like no universal process Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody's doing everything differently. And it just dawned on me more so with the with the release of Adobe experience design um, that the industry itself is struggling with. How do we do this? So (laughs) I I, I don't know if there has to be a right answer. Yeah. Um, And I think that there's there's beauty in the sense that we're all learning, even the professionals, even those who have been in the industry. I mean, someone with uh, 25 years of experience in the on the in the interactive space has had to evolve quite a bit. Um, and this is just we're we're just in this current phase. It's going to continue to evolve. Um, so I think that the experimentation, particularly from the standpoint of one who's teaching, um, is is really necessary into into eventually applying a standard. Perhaps further down the road, we'll arrive at what is what we would regard as a, a standard of teaching, uh, responsive design, for example. Um, but we it, we're we're still at a, at a phase where we're, we're experimenting. Oh, totally. That's I I keep have I've been design I've been working with HTML and CSS for. Uh, a long time, uh, very before there were actual HTML editors for it. Before there was CSS, I was actually designing in tables, and I for I, I so I quickly forget that responsive design, the technology to do media queries, mm-hmm. is is only six years old. Yes, um, we're in a you know this is a fledgling profession if you really want to think of it because the ability to do it has only been around for such a long time. So it is exciting to be around this time because, you know. The industry itself is, we're pioneers. Everybody at, at this stage is just figuring out how we're going to handle this thing. Yeah. So um, on a different train of, of thought, you're currently a working professional, but you've also taught in the classroom. So as I've been doing this podcast, I've been getting a lot of feedback that students aren't prepared to be in client meetings and be part of the dialogue. Then it hit me. When I assign a project... I'm giving students all the details. I'm not giving them a chance to work in a process that mirrors what the process is like at a firm or an in-house agency where you're asking questions, you're you're getting insight from the from the client. So having worked in both the classroom and the industry, what can educators do to kind of fix this or, or replicate, you know, client meetings along the way? Um, well, I don't think there's any real substitute for actually working with a client. Um, you know, I think that students need the opportunity to intern. They need the opportunity to interface directly um, with individuals within the business community and work towards meeting the needs um, of that specific client. 
However, I will say within the uh, within the academic space, every student, I believe it's my philosophy that every student should have a voice. Um, I am not afraid to present a project and allow students to redefine the project for themselves. Um, what is your voice? What is your vision? Um, so it, in, in so much within, you know, the graphic design field, we we're, it's really an exercise of problem solving. Um, and that's what we're doing for clients. We're solving a problem through creative means. Sometimes those problems are, are complex. Um, so having an understanding to be able to articulate your vision, um, having making your creative decisions purposeful and not arbitrary. Um, so maybe you can speak to why you chose this value of blue. Well, this value of blue uh, is neutral enough uh, that I can then use um, a wider array of uh, colors that will harmoniously interact with this you know, neutral value of blue. If you can articulate that to a client, um, that's very important in perhaps um, trying to explain why you're arriving at the decisions that you're making other than the simple fact that, well, I like blue. Um, well, that's nice. Um, but uh, so I, I think that visual communication, um, you know, that is expanded upon as a, as a problem solving exercise. Um, if, if students can kind of grasp that, that idea and that concept, then I think that they're, they're actually on good footing. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the the problem solving. The so the way I look at it, when I and when I traditionally used to hand a, a project to a student, I'd say you're going to design a website um, that's going to serve uh, this purpose. How much problem? I I, I kind of get a feeling that they're not really doing any problem solving at that point because I've already gave them. I said the problem is X, website is solution now decorate solution. And so I think we've kind of gotten into this weird realm of we're decorating pre-canned solutions instead of really like, you know, stepping back is like, whoa, is a website even the right solution for this problem? Maybe you, maybe an interactive, you know, email campaign would probably be more beneficial. You know, I, you, we're, we're kind of denying the students the process of determining if what the client thinks the need is, is the actual need. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's there's some gray area there, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I like to think that there's there's a problem and a learning opportunity within within every aspect of life, perhaps more broadly. Um but, you know, certainly if, you, if you're handing the, the student the website or, or the project saying, you know, you needed to de design the website, um, perhaps it's the concept that they're employing. Maybe it's, it's beyond just simply designing a website. Maybe that, that space that, or that, that, uh, that problem that you present to them um, will lead or evolve into something that is, that is much uh, more, you know, robust or dynamic than just simply a static website. Um, maybe, be, maybe it's involving gestures. Maybe they're redefining what the concept of a web page is or, or the web viewing experience. So I think when you allow students to experiment and you challenge them to think beyond what the problem that you're presenting as a, as a professor would be, then I think that you're, um, you're, you're really in that sweet spot of 
of learning. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the other observations that I've been having with so when I teach HTML and CSS, I, I could see students wanted to do things that couldn't be done with their current understanding of HTML and CSS. Mm. So they just stopped innovating because, well, I can't do it. Um, so I'm hoping with this, you know, switching back to like, no, we're going to do these mock-ups, we're going to do these prototypes, and this will open up their creative freedom. Like, no, I want to try this, I want to try this, and I want to try this. And they don't have to worry about can it physically be built. They just need to uh, be able to demonstrate it. And so I hope that opens up um, some of the experimentation that I think is kind of currently lacking in the way I go about things. Um, so you have a lot of experience working in the interactive design industry. Yes. From your experiences, how prepared are entry-level students from print or print-heavy programs um, how prepared are they to work at an interactive agency? Um, that's a very good question. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I can even think back to my own experiences. I, uh, my first job, I graduated from the Maryland Institute College of Art um, and was very fortunate to be able to get a job working for an interactive agency. I had a ton of creative uh, ability um, and an ability to design and a, a technical understanding of how to use design um, tools, but I didn't know how to code. And I was very fortunate that I was in, uh, in an environment where um, there were peers of mine uh, or co-workers who really taught me uh, how to code HTML and code CSS at the time. And the kind of the funny story is when I finally got it, I began, it's almost like that scene in The Matrix when Neo begins to see and code. Like, I'm like, wow. So it, it just, it was, it was such a uh, empowering moment when I kind of figured, yes, I can now be able to create the types of websites that I want to create. Um, so I think that certainly you're seeing more students um, who are prepared, um, particularly from a fluency of being able to use, uh, being able to code HTML or CSS. Um, but I also think that those entry-level employees, um, many of them will have to learn and learn fast. Um, I, I have the philosophy that all designers should know how to code. Um, it isn't necessarily a requirement, but I think that it certainly makes a team uh, a little bit more uh, well-rounded. In addition, when you're transitioning between, as a, a designer, maybe you're going to work, uh, hand your designs off to a front-end developer. Well, it really helps if, um, if you have an understanding of how, um, you know, the design translates um, into, you know, a fully functioning uh, website. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, if it's using typography, if it's, um, you know, the arrangements of uh, your your composition within a, a given grid, um, you know, maybe it's maybe you've used uh, a bootstrap grid. So your design should hopefully employ um, perhaps what the bootstrap grid is grid is. And then you can, then you know, hand that off to your uh, your developer, which might make for a more seamless uh, working experience. Yeah, that's something that I've, well, th let me back up a little bit. So, so definitely they, they need to um, know how much, how much HTML and CSS do you think they need to know? Because I think it's a really crazy fine line between understanding HTML and CSS so you can work well with others, but knowing it enough 
but then all of a sudden you're almost on the realm of now you're a front end developer. Mm. Um, do you know? I mean, do you foresee like where do you think like a a good balance is in that? Um, yeah, I, I think that I I like to I'd like to know. And this is just me personally speaking. I don't speak for all designers. Yeah. Um, it's good to know how the design that you're producing is going to be executed. And, and even having a game pl- plan in your mind of, um, you know, what I'm designing is going to then, um, th- you know, this is kind of the plan in my mind of how this is going to be built. Um, and I think that that makes for a very seamless um, transition towards actually building that site. Whether you're you're coding it or building it yourself or whether you're handing it off to another developer. Even if you're a freelancer and you're going to hand... Uh, you know your your design off to uh, uh, another uh, front end developer or, or engineer for them to build. I think it really empowers um, the the designer to to really have a, a understanding, perhaps not even, perhaps not a comprehensive understanding of HTML, CSS, or even JavaScript. But I really I really do think it's a benefit to, to know it. Um, how much should they know? I think you know enough to understand the structure particularly within HTML, understand the structure of uh, your divisions or your sections, um, you know, how you want to lay out, the, you know, how that, if it's a responsive design, how your code is going to break down. You know, it, it makes a difference how uh, you arrange um, your layout so that it can naturally um, collapse into, um, you know, a, a functioning responsive piece. You know, let me ask you, I, this is something I've been thinking about, and I haven't actually really bounced it off anybody yet, but as we, you know, when print design, um, purists would want to be on press. They would want to go and they'd want to, they would understand the paper. They would understand the offset press. They would want to be there to check uh, color consistency. They would want to be able to, they would understand, I mean, they didn't have to be master printers, but they had to know how an offset press, and same with typography, um, or same with silk screening. It, it, like, that was like this handcraft that really helped you understand that if you knew how to, uh, I'll, there's a, there's a, a, a couple that I, I really admire. They're called the little friends of printmaking <laughs> and they had this poster that was black ink on black paper. If they didn't understand the printing process, they never, they never would have known that you could do that, and mm-hmm. then it would you could actually see it because there is two different tonal values um, because of the the paper was matte, the ink was um, had a slight varnish to it. So, I think HTML and CSS is almost the same kind of principle. Mm. Where um, do you need to know it? No, because you can you can hand off a mock up to a developer, mm-hmm. a front end developer, and they can make it work for you. But you're not going to know the subtleties mm-hmm. that you can achieve, yeah. like you, um, that you can achieve using HTML and CSS. Just the way you don't know that you those subtleties um, that you can do with printing or with silk screening or with offset printing or letterpress printing. Um, how does that analogy sit with you? I think it's a very artful metaphor. Um, I, you know, I would. Yes, I think that des- I think designers should be vested in the process. They should be vested in the process of not just how the the website looks, um, 
you know, even before, I mean, we're talking about right now about HTML and CSS, but there's often a strategy that goes into um, working uh, for work on the web. Um, understanding the, the marketing strategy, maybe what are the needs of, of the client and what, what are you designing for? Um, how are your, you know, in the industry we have, uh, you know, action items that we call call to actions. Um, you know, these are links that probably need to be clicked on. You know, so having an understanding of the overall strategy and then having an understanding um, or at least a competence of how um, this this website is going to be built. So I just call out, you know, I guess the, the term that I like to use is, you know, I like designers to be vested, fully vested in the entire process. Yeah, and I think performance comes in that one under that umbrella as well, because, you know, with um in print i mean you 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 know oh i can't afford to have um four color printing i can only do one color mm-hmm. um you know in in web there's a perform there's a performance budget <laughs> just yeah. the same way as there is is a print budget so i think there's a lot of those parallels that we need to be looking more at it, it's interesting you you mentioned silk screening i mean mm-hmm. if my own experiences with screen printing you know it's i, I did it enough where i, I understood how to do it I think that perhaps I'd rather have someone else do it for me. <laughs> so maybe that directly relates as a as a uh, interactive designer, where um, you know you know you know how to code, but maybe you'd prefer for your uh, you know front end all star to 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 produce that for you. No, I, I'm with you because I know how to silk screen. I had my own screens, and I was going to print something for my wedding. I wanted this big poster that mm-hmm. people were going to be able to sign as kind of like a guest book, and I was going to silk screen it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to hand this off <laughs> to somebody else. Yeah. I'll work with them, but I'm going to let I'm going to let the ex- expert do this. And I, I'm glad I did because there's no way I could have done something as as big as I did and done it as accurate as I as they were able to. So we, we've come full circle because we yeah. we fully compared uh, silk screening. So screening or even maybe letterpress to, to web design. So it, it all works together. Yeah, it, it really does. I, I just it's just there that there's like but there's those new things that yeah. like in 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 letterpress, you know, you don't have to worry about your columns shrinking and you have to have <laughs> they're fixed. Yeah. And so I like you said, I think that grid is the I like you how you said that that grid is that one thing that's how do we handle that responsive grid more so than really anything else? Um so we're we're coming close on time. So I have just one more question I would I would like to ask you, and so that is, uh, just ten years ago, uh, design was print heavy industry, and the standard identity system consisting of a logo, business card, and stationery set, um, along with a gig or social cause poster, <laughs> you know maybe a some kind of book and a brochure, uh, with a mix of of typographic exercises. That's all you needed to see in a student's port, you know, in an entry level portfolio, you know, to be able to judge proficiency in design. So as somebody who's been in the industry, um, both pre and post, we'll say media queries. um, What, you know, is this like this is does that type of portfolio still relevant? in interactive design or is it lacking absolutely i think it's still relevant um 
you know, certainly things are going to evolve and we're we're going to probably want to see as students learn more and get more exposure to um, to the industry and to, to the changes and advancements within the industry. I think that we're going to see portfolios change a bit. But one thing for me, I often look at um, the execution of typography. You know, one of the questions that I often ask, uh, perhaps on an interview, might be, what's your favorite typeface? Um, and if you're really vested in um, learning or, or actually applying yourself within design, you, you, you tend to find um, you're drawn towards um, certain aspects of it. And it's similar to print. I mean, in, in so many ways, we're just uh, learning a new medium to uh, apply our ability to communicate visually. And right now, the medium um, is certainly interactive. Um, the, you know, these experiences are there in our, um, they're on our, in our cell phones. You know, we, we have an intimate connection um, with, with design. Um, whereas perhaps in the past, uh, it might have been a brochure, it might have been a poster, um, you know, it might have been an identity package. So we're really living with it. Um, everyone, for the most part, seems to have a connection um, whether it be like social media or whatnot. So, you know, I, I think that I'd like to, ideally, I, I, it's, a, it's a very good question. I, I think students um, or entry-level employees, it's okay to have the more traditional pieces. Um, but I think things are going to change as we, as we continue to evolve. Yeah, I mean, just one follow-up question. Um, so... The reason I asked that is literally this popped into my my head the other day was, you know, I, I saw a business card still relevant, but I saw like stationery and like, you know, that was like the vehicle to apply your logo and your corporate colors. And I was wondering, like, how relevant is that? I mean, I, wouldn't it be probably better to have students instead of designing uh, a logo on a, a letterhead, wouldn't it be make more sense to have them design it? in it on a Facebook page mm, yeah. um, or in an email or in, um, you know, on their Twitter feed. I mean, you know, designing it within those contexts because I, those are radically different than stationary. And I, maybe because I've, you know, I'm an educator, I can't remember the last time I've seen anything on stationary. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, it's interesting. I was actually uh, recently been designing uh, some business cards and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it, I, I, you know, I guess if, as an interactive designer, I still have my toes in the the traditional print space somewhat. Um, but I, you know, it's I think it's it's a both and solution. You know, um, the understanding the difference between designing on, for on screen for seventy two DPI or maybe. You know, resolutions are changing now because of retina devices and things of that nature. Um, but let's just say RGB versus CMYK. Um, you know, being able to uh, understand, um, you know, the different modes or the different um, platforms that you're designing for, I think, is certainly important. So, yeah, you, you bring up a very good point. It's like the world is a lot more um, broader than just simply... Um, you know, designing for a stationary letterhead, which were the traditional mediums back then. And and when you consider, I mean, we're really putting this into the context of business. Um, your the the web presence is so important. So, you know, I, th I really see your point. I, I think yes, I think it's very relevant to to see 
uh, email newsletter templates or, uh, you know, um, a Facebook page design, you know, logo placed on the Facebook page. I think that's also important. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily throw away some of the old some of the old guard techniques as well. All right, Rashawn. Um, before I let you go, is there anything you are personally working on that you would like to share or something you want to promote? Uh, yeah, I, I want to give a special shout out to my students at uh, Towson University teaching graphic design one. I'm um, <clears throat> very proud of uh, you know the work that we're doing at Towson University. Also, I want to um, recognize the company that I work for, CenterTech Solutions. Um, we are what I believe we're in the cutting edge of, of really taking a progressive approach to uh, what many, many of our clients are within the healthcare space. Um, so, you know, clients like Rush University Medical Center. I'm very proud of the work that we've we've done for uh, for clients such as that. Um, you know, please follow me on Twitter at Rashawn Myers. Um, and, uh, you know, Gary, thanks for, for, uh, for bringing me in. It's very enlightening ex- experience. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure. And um, your your Twitter your link to your Twitter feed, link to CenterTech, and all the well that that'll actually be on the blog as well. So people have the be able to find the links and not just have to you know try to type it through this podcast. Um, all right, so that's all we have time for today on episode twenty two of Design Edu today. I want to thank today's guest, Rashawn Myers, for being so generous with his time. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. Finally, I want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast, and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at designedu today, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU Today.